Welcome back to the AM show. I'm Miles Davis alongside Andre Monroe. Andre, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. How about you? Pretty good. Eagles aren't looking too good, but the Sixers, they have hope. And we are going to cover both of those teams during this show. So let's get right into it. Starting off, the Eagles. <sighs> Andre, what do you, what you already know what I'm about to say? What are what are your thoughts on the performance as of recent for the Eagles? Because they're three seven and one, they're not looking too good. So what what are your thoughts on this team? Well, my thoughts are this the this season that's happening right now. If you look back at the recent years, the recent drafting, the recent moves um, that our front office has made, the decisions, this year was a year that has had to ha- had to have happened because you can't go, you can't, you can't do a Javi Rose because the way Javi Roseman kind of runs the Eagles is, is how um, he just pays these old players. Uh, he pays old players in free agency. Um, and then he drives, because of his draft record, is so bad. He has to address um, a lot of key positions in free agency. He ends up paying, overpaying a lot of free agency. He ends up giving the wrong money to the wrong people. Um, so this was something that um, has been kind of kept under the blanket, per se, of, uh, for a long time, um, even in the Super Bowl year. In the Super Bowl year, if you look at that year, we signed a ton of guys who were one-year guys, and he just hit on them. Uh, Patrick Robinson, Alshon Jeffrey, Torrey Smith, um, Timmy Jernigan, uh, and a lot a lot more guys. Chris Long, guys like that. Howie Rosen got away with doing that in 2017, um, and that was, that was his good year. That was his one good year, but other than that, if you look at a combination of his draft history, his free agent signings, I mean, just go back to this offseason, this latest offseason. Robbie Anderson is a top five leader in um, receiving yards, um, and he was a player who we should have, have gotten. He was a player who, at, the, at his position, we needed a wide receiver, but no. Instead, we got, what was the name, Javon Hargrave, who we're paying $13 million a year. I believe he only has two sacks on the year. When we already have a stout defensive, um, defensive um, line, and when we have to pay Derek Barnett this year, so the decisions he makes is very, very confusing, and it's caught up to them. It's caught up to the Eagles, and that's why we suck this year. Yeah, I just want to put in perspective some other mistakes that Howie Roseman has made, and I think that a lot. Of, this is mentioned in the media a lot. But I do want to emphasize this one stat. Howie Roseman, in the past seven years, has selected one pro bowler. One pro bowler. Now, of course, you could say, oh, yeah, Chip Kelly was the GM for a year or so. But one year, one year, he has selected a pro bowler. And that one player was Carson Wentz. Yeah, I was, I was waiting for that. I was waiting for you to say Carson Wentz. Now, I know a lot of people are hating on Carson Wentz saying, oh, yeah, he sucks, start Jalen Hurts, and stuff like that. And Eagles fans, I feel your pain because I'm an Eagles fan, just like you, Andre, and I, and I want to see this team succeed. That's all I want. I want this team to be able to win as many championships as possible, right? But I don't think that Carson Wentz, so to speak, is the main culprit. And I agree with you. I think it's Howie Roseman because you've had the opportunity to select DJ, DK Metcalf in the second round, but you picked J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. 
you had the opportunity to trade up for CD Lamb. You didn't you didn't do that because you wanted to select Jalen Hurts with your second round pick. And then you could have selected Justin Jefferson, who's one of the best rookie wide receivers in football at pick 20. And you pick Jalen Rager. Now, I don't have a, this main issue with Jalen Rager, except for the fact that he does not, he has not shown the ability to do what we were, what I was complaining about the Eagles receivers last year of being unable to do, which is get separation. So I can't say, oh, well, these receivers couldn't do it, but Jalen Rager's different. I have to, I'm going to have to call him out, I guess, on the mistakes that he's making as well as the mistakes that those receivers last year made, not just because he's a first-round pick. What sucks is that, what sucks is that we just spent like five, the first five minutes talking about one person, that's Javi Roseman. We didn't even get to Doug Peterson. We didn't get to Carson Wentz. We didn't get to the defense, the offense. We didn't get to the coaches. We didn't get to any of that. Just Holly Roseman. That just goes to show how much problems is on this team. But speaking of Doug Peterson, I just want to give my comments on him as well because he is a big culprit in this season as well. First of all, the whole Jalen Hurts thing, please throw it out. Jalen Hurts is not going to be your franchise quarterback. He's not a franchise quarterback. You should never drive to him. If you're going to drive the quarterback, then draft an actual good quarterback. Now, I love Jalen Hurts. I love his college tape, but he is not a franchise quarterback. If you wanted to replace Carson Wentz, then you should have replaced Carson Wentz. Uh, if you, you should have gone, I mean, get James Winston, get a free agent uh, quarterback, um, sign, just sign a quarterback or draft a quarterback, trade up for a quarterback. If you're going to do it, go all in and do it. But no, they decided to get Jalen Hurts in the second round when they had glaring issues on offense and defense. And you talking about how we could have traded up for CeeDee Lamb. Not just that, um, I think it was in the offseason, Harvey Rosen had an interview and he said that he wanted to trade for DeAndre Hopkins, but he did not want to trade the second round draft pick. Now tell me this, would you rather have Jalen Riker and Jalen Hurts or DeAndre Hopkins? DeAndre Hopkins. It's 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 clear. Like that that's a clear decision. The only reason why the only reason why I could see Howie Roseman have think thinking about keeping that round two pick is is if oh we need to rebuild our defense. Like if he had like a genuinely decent excuse to keeping that second round pick, being like oh yeah, that's like DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the league. But this is a very deep receiving class, Justin Jefferson should still be on the board. And then we can use that second round pick to pick a linebacker or a safety. Positions that we are desperately in need for. Yeah, and it, it just sucks. And I'm going to also talk about Dick Pearson because I that Seahawks game, it was just like the tip of the... It was the height of all the problems because that Seahawks game was prime time. And it's like literally... Every single problem that we've had this year on the Eagles, it showed its face on that Seattle in that Seattle game on Monday night. I mean, let's just go through it. Jalen Hurts, the mismanagement of Jalen Hurts. Now, again, I love Jalen Hurts. I actually feel bad for Jalen Hurts. He didn't he didn't expect to be in this position where he is in a quarterback controversy with an a with an incompetent uh, front office with an incompetent coach with a quarterback who's struggling and people are saying start Jalen Hurts and you're just sitting there uh, not 
I mean, what is Jalen Hurts? What is Jalen Hurts gonna? Where is he gonna be in two years? Where is he gonna be in three years? Are you gonna give him a contract when his rookie contract is up? Like the whole Jalen Hurts thing is so weird to me. But let's go in the game. So, Seattle's game. Um, reports before the game. I know you saw these reports as well, where it was where it was reported that Jalen Hurts would actually get more playing time, he would get more snaps, and actually he would see the field without uh, Carson Wentz on the field, which is obvious which is which should be an obvious thing for me why would you have Cartswins on the field with Jalen Hurts on the field you're just taking I mean it's just simply you're you, you simply have 10 players on your offense in the play if Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts are going to be um on the same field because Carson Wentz is not a real wide receiver I mean you could line him up wide out but he's not a real wide receiver and also putting Jalen Hurts in the game wh- what do you think the play is going to be most Andre, this is a very tough decision, but my guess is a read option. My guess is that too, and it's, I mean, and me and you think that. I wonder what defensive coordinators are thinking. I wonder what Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams are thinking. Do you think that, you think they're, they think uh, Jalen Hurst is going to scramble out of the pocket and throw a 50-yard bomb down the, um, to Jalen Rager for a touchdown? No. You think he's going to do a Philly special, hand it off to Carson Wentz, and he, Carson Wentz is going to run 40 yards for a touchdown? No, that is not happening. The only thing we've done this season with Jalen Hurts is stupid read options where we fumble snaps, uh, we've had one-yard losses. I mean, the only positive thing Jalen Hurts has brought to the team this year is that one 20-yard run in the Ravens game. Other than that, it's been all predictable. It's been all simple plays and that's not Jalen Hurts' fault that's not Carson Wentz's fault that is Doug Peterson's fault that is the coaching staff's fault because you can blame players all you want but coaches are the ones that are designing designing the plays or calling the plays so Jalen Hurts he could be the best athlete in the world but if you're going to use him on predictable read options is he going to look like the best athlete in the world no because the defense is going to know what he's doing so if the defense knows what you're doing then it's no it's no point of even Plain because you can't even utilize um, your players. You can't utilize your player skill sets if you're putting them in positions where they're predictable. So I want to hear your take on the whole Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts thing. I remember back in April when I was watching the draft and I was like, yo, who could the Eagles select with this pick? Because we already selected a wide receiver. All the wide receivers that like were highly touted were taken off the board. And I'm talking Lamb, Jefferson, Ruggs, Judy, even as far as saying Claypool's off the board, Higgins was off the board, Mims was off the board. So I was like, all right, they're not picking another receiver. What linebackers are left? What safeties are left? And then I remember us picking, of course, Jalen Hurts. And I was so confused because you had a quarterback that took practice squad receivers to the playoff and not using that second-round pick to help him succeed so that he doesn't have to do that again. If your goal is to actually win the Super Bowl, then it makes no sense why you would select Jalen Hurts. And so that's just not – that just doesn't frustrate – because it – because apparently, according to reports, it's causing... Well, no, no, no. This is with Jefferson. Never mind. It, well, Jefferson was causing rift in the organization. But 
I think Doug Peterson has been in over his head lately because his play calling has cost us games at this point. His this, The decision-making that he has had has frustrated basic has frustrated not just us as fans but also Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie. So I'm not sure how long he's gonna be here. To be honest. Yeah, and um, so just more on Doug Peterson. I mean, I don't get it. So I'm gonna ask. I don't. I'm confused. So I'm gonna ask you the questions because I am personally confused. So let's say Miles. Let's say you have. Let's say you're the coach of a football team. Um, and your O-line, your offensive line is not that good, but you have a running back who's pretty solid. He's young. He's pretty solid. Um, and he, again, he's young, so it's not like you're worried about him getting injured or his knees falling apart because he's young. And he's a stud running back. I, I would say he's like top 15, top 10. Um, you have a struggling run, you have a struggling O-line um, in pass protection. You have a struggling quarterback. So, Miles, against that, when you have a, a struggling O-line, a struggling quarterback, and a pretty good running back, what would you do? A pretty good quarterback and a pretty good running back? I would say, no, a struggling quarterback. When you, when your quarterback's struggling and your offensive line is struggling, would you run the ball or would you pass the ball? I'd probably run the ball. I'd probably run the ball as well. And guess what Doug Pearson did? On Sunday he against the, the Seahawks, he passed the ball. Guess how many touches did Miles Sanders got? He got six carries, six carries. When your quarterback is struggling, and when your offensive line is struggling in pass protection, and, and about the offensive line, they're actually not that bad overall. They're actually good in run, uh, run blocking, not pass blocking. But when you have, when you have a um, quarterback who's struggling, when you have an offensive line who's struggling in pass protection, you would think that the coach would run the ball. But no, that's not what Doug Peterson does. Another question. I want to ask one more question. So Carson Wentz, I think you and me both know Carson Wentz really well. We watch him since 2016. And I would say his best ad set is elusiveness, is using his legs, um, throwing on the run. And, you know, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, so when you have a quarterback who's not that much of a pocket passer, he's more of a thrower on the run. He likes to run around with the football and uh, sling it. So in that case, would you A, make him drop back 50 times when he's struggling, when your offensive line is struggling, or would you B, roll him out the pocket a a few times and let him throw on the run, let him um, extend plays such as that? I would let him extend plays because that's what Carson Wentz, is known for doing. That's what he does. He extends plays. And I understand that, like, some of the interceptions that he's done and some of the sacks that he's taken is because of him trying to extend plays. But I think that that's going to put the Eagles in a better chance to succeed if you're not going to run the ball is let Carson Wentz be Carson Wentz. Exactly. And guess what? On Sunday, Carson Wentz was one of one, one of one for 17 yards when he was rolled out the pocket by design. One of one. So that means that Doug Pearson only rolled him out the pocket one time, and it was a 17-yard completion to Richard Rodgers. He did not do it again in the whole entire game. Um, and things like this are just confusing to me. And I don't know whether I'm on the fence of Doug Pearson needs to be fired or on the fence of get Doug Pearson an offensive coordinator and let um, the offensive coordinator call plays. I'm not sure what fence I'm on. 
But when you have a struggling quarterback, when you have a struggling head coach, when you have a just bad GM, um, it's not a it's not a good recipe for success. Absolutely not. And I think that at the end of the season, I think the Eagles as a whole and Jeffrey Lurie is going to be having to answer some questions as to whether or not Howie Roseman will be back another season and if Doug Peterson will be back for another season. I think Carson Wentz is going to stay next season unless unless I actually I don't see a situation where Carson Wentz is on a different team next year unless because a that contract and b I think a lot of although a lot of executives would love to have Carson Wentz with a good offensive line, so a team with a good offensive line who's just missing like a really good quarterback. I think Carson Wentz would fit well in that system. I think that I think Carson Wentz has the potential to be very good. I just don't think that he's well, he's clearly hasn't played well this season, but I don't think people routing him out is terrible and it's all his fault. I don't think that's just a good analysis at all of what's going on in Philadelphia. So last question. So we obviously are still in position to win a division. So would you rather not make the division, not win a division or win a division and get Carson Wentz playoff experience? I would rather us lose the division. I really would. And here's why, because I've been looking at a lot of mock drafts lately. And there's this one player, this one player that I am a very big fan of. But I don't really talk about him that lot. His name is Jamar Chase out of LSU. And right now, right now, at the season end today, the Eagles will be picking number six in the draft. And guess who's likely going to be on the board at number six? Jamar Chase. I think that Jamar Chase would be a perfect complement to Carson Wentz. And I think that it could really, he could really, really elevate the receiving core that has looked terrible, terrible for three years now. Yeah, I agree with you. But the one thing about Jamar Chase is not Jamar Chase himself. It's the fact that look, and let me see, uh, 2018, I believe that was the year we drafted our Sega Whiteside. 2019, yeah. Yeah, 2019, I think we, yeah, 2019, or no, 2020, we drafted Jalen Rager. But my, my point is, we keep drafting wide receivers, right? And when you keep drafting wide receivers, that means that you're not addressing other positions. And this goes to show, this just goes to show the recipe uh, that Javier Roseman is, I guess, playing with. And it's not a good recipe because if you keep drafting wide receivers and you keep missing on wide receivers, that means that you're going to have to keep drafting the same position because you keep missing on the same position. And when you keep missing on the same position, you're not going to be able to draft other positions, like let's say linebacker, like let's say corner or safety. So while we do need a wide receiver still, and while I do would love Jamar Chase, I think it just sucks because we have a lot of other positions that we're going to need to address other than the wide receiver. Um, I mean, if you look at the mock draft, I've been looking at mock drafts as well, and another name that was there, I believe it was Micah Parsons out of Penn State, who's a stud linebacker, one of the best players in the draft. Um, I think he's going to commit to the draft um, this year. So that's another position to need, but when I look at the draft and when I look at 
the whole thing of winning division or not winning division. Either way, we're going to not be good next year. I, I just wholeheartedly believe that we're not going to be good next year. So I would rather give Carson Wentz playoff experience. Also, what plays a factor in it is I don't know if I, if I trust Javi Roseman to make the correct pick. So I don't know how worth it would be to actually tank and get the number six pick because Javi Roseman might just mess that up. So I'd just rather give Carson Wentz playoff experience. But that's the thing, Andre. In the event that the Eagles are picking at number six, Howie Roseman would likely be fired. Like, if the Eagles have a, ter- a terrible season like this, in a very winnable division, based off of the moves that how and the reasoning behind them doing so poorly, is just how just poor selection and poor decision making by Roseman. I think Jeffrey Lurie will look into firing him, and that would lead to a new general manager at the helm. Hopefully not Doug Peterson. Hopefully not Doug Peterson. Oh, people, but people would have to be fired if we lose this. If we lose this division to Alex Smith on one leg, Daniel Jones, or freaking Ben DiNucci's, uh Andy Dal- Dalton. If you lose this division to those quarterbacks, when you have Carson Wentz, when you have Doug Peterson, when you have this team. People would have to be fired. I don't know who, but people would have to be fired. Absolutely. But I think that here's the thing, Andre. I've been a big fan of this one kid from Clemson. His name's Justin Ross, right? I think that he's very talented, and he was actually projected to be a first-round pick this year, and I would have loved to have him. And I think that he would be also a great compliment for Carson Wentz, but the issue is that he's injured right now, and he's out for the season. So... And so he might not declare for this year's draft. But if you were to declare for this year's draft, he could you you could hypothetically draft him in the later rounds, at as as a steal. And then when he comes back, you're not just you don't just have a stud receiver in Justin Ross who's going to light up the NFL for whatever team he gets drafted by. You've heard it here first. But then you also have Micah Parsons with that sixth pick. So you're also you're you're helping out that defense that has been in dire need of a face of the line face of a defense basically but then you're also getting Justin Ross you feel yeah I mean who's who's to not say that we won't draft another quarterback I mean Harry Oseman had said this quarterback factory he's been saying this so who's 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 to say we don't draft another quarterback especially when we get a top pick who's to say we don't draft Trey Lance or Caleb Wilson or we could trade up for Justin or Justin Fields or something like that. Who is to say we don't do that? It, honestly, I know, I know it kind of seems like a joke, but at number six, um, Trey Lance is, I mean, not Trey Lance, but Trevor Lawrence is going to go first, obviously. But then you have next is um, freaking the Jaguars. And I don't know if they, I think they'll draft a quarterback too. But who's to say Justin Fields, we won't trade out for Justin Fields, or he won't be there at number six, or Trey Lance, or Caleb Wilson. I think that's. I think there's a chance we do that, especially if this team does not trust Carson Wentz anymore. Which signs point to that? Honestly, Andre, I just want to see some sort of direction, like some sort of improvement from this team next year. I want to see that. I think that this team definitely is in dire need of a rebuild, and I think that. It's clear that the, our best days have are over, but the good thing is, is that all the other teams in the NFC East are in that rebuilding stage as well, you know? 
in some way or another. Yeah, I have one more question. Give me one second. I'm trying to find it. I, I saw an Instagram post or it was something like that. It was it was like four pills. Oh, yeah, I have it right here. Okay, so I have four pills for you. This is the last question that we're going to go to the Sixers. So the first pill is the red pill where Frank Reich never takes the coach job and stays in Philadelphia as the offensive coordinator. Or purple pill, Carson Wentz never tears his ATL. Then the green pill is that the Eagles take DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson instead of taking JJ Thrag Whiteside and Reger. And then last pill, black pill, is that the Al Shaw never drops uh, the pass against the Saints. That's easy. Like, I'm gonna be honest, Andre, and I need to be clowned for this. So people who will listen to this later on, please do. But I remember on draft day, I said, I want Jalen Rager with this pick. And I have regretted that decision ever since. Because, yes, Andre, please laugh. Because I thought that Justin Jefferson, like, which was stupid of me. I remember seeing a report that people actually thought that Justin, that Justin Jefferson wasn't all that because he wasn't the main receiver at LSU. And because of that, he was never being covered by the best corner in on the opposite team because, of course, it was Jamar Chase. So you could say, oh, he's always playing the slot, blah, 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 all these excuses. So I was like, all right, this seems like this could actually be a bunch of bust potential. So I was like, pick Rager. And then I was clearly wrong. But I'm going to actually have to go with the black pill. I think if Alshon does catch that football and we score that touchdown and win the game, I think we would be going to the Super Bowl. That hurt. So, the black, my opinion. So I rank these in my personal opinion, and the black pill was the last pill for me because first of all, there's no guarantee that we would actually, you know, score a touchdown there. Second, who's who's to say that um, Nick Foles or not Nick Foles, but Drew Brees doesn't drive down the field to score again? But I do get that. But also, the re- another reason I didn't like the black pill is that if Nick Foles uh, even won, if he even won that game. I think we would probably move on for Carson Wentz. I think Nick Foles would be the starter right now if he won that game against the Saints, especially if he won another Super Bowl. Um, I think Carson Wentz would not be in Philadelphia right now. But this is going to surprise you, and this is probably going to get me a lot of hate. But I'm going to say the purple pill, I would say Carson Wentz never tears his ACL. Now, I know that that means there's no guarantee that we win the Super Bowl that year, but still a high chance that we win the Super Bowl that year with Carson Wentz, of course, but still no guarantee. Also, my reasoning for that is that if Carson Wentz never tore his ACL, his mechanics would be in shape. He would obviously be, I think he still would be 27 Carson Wentz right now if he never tore his ACL because tearing that ACL, I never want to blame injuries on something. But that obviously has been a major, probably the biggest part in his regression. And I think we probably would have still won the Super Bowl. I think we even w- probably got another su- another Super Bowl because Carson Wentz at that 2017 level was just amazing. So I'm going to go with the purple pill or the pink pill, whatever it is. I know that's kind of controvers- controversial because that means we probably don't win the Super Bowl. But that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I would, I would agree that Nick Foles likely would have been the starter. And that probably would have meant the end of the Philadelphia Eagles as we know it. Because, of course, as we can see now, Nick Foles is a situational quarterback. He thrives on specific situations. And when they are not those specific situations, he kind of gets exposed. 
But, and I also agree with your other point, that Carson Wentz, I think Carson Wentz would have done really well. I think he would have led that team to the Super Bowl. I think they would have actually won the Super Bowl. I really do. And I think that having healthy Carson Wentz would have been great. But I also think that it would have been possible that Carson Wentz would have gotten injured at any point. Because just because, because just because Carson Wentz doesn't get injured during that Rams game doesn't mean that he gets injured during those other games, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, I see what you're saying. Anyways, um, tomorrow, Eagles versus Packers, 425. Um, I can't wait to get another Sunday uh, ruin because of the Eagles. Cannot wait. Mm-hmm. But I will be watching as every Sunday. I'll be watching. Win or lose, I'll be watching. We're going to lose, but I'll still be watching. So, uh, anything, anything else on the Eagles, Mouse? Nope. That's it. All right, let's move on to the Sixers. So, the Sixers might be the most hopeful team in Philadelphia right now with the Sixers absolutely sucking. We didn't even talk about JT Rilmuto and John Middleton and just the whole the, – the Phillies are a disaster right now. Uh, so are the Eagles and the Flyers. The Flyers are also hopeful, but the Sixers are my most um, – I cannot wait until basketball season because of the Sixers. So, Miles, what are, your, what are your expectations for the Sixers this season with the new additions as, um, like, Seth Curry, uh, Dwight Howard, et cetera, et cetera? So what are your ex- expectations for the Sixers this season, and where do you see the Sixers going? I expect this team – I have high expectations and high hopes for this Sixers roster because I think the work that Daryl Morey has done and Elton Brand has done to this team has basically been to – Kind of make a make a similar roster to that twenty, I believe, eighteen, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen roster that went to the playoffs, where you had Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and they were able to coincide with each other because there were shooters around them. And that starting lineup right now is pure shooting, basically. You have Seth Curry, Danny Green, and then of course. Tobias Harris. And I think that this team has the potential to go far. I think that this team could hypothetically, if they stay healthy, make the finals. Yeah, and those are just a free agent. Those are just a free agent additions that we got, or uh, trades rather. Um, but we also had a great draft. We also got rid of Al Horford. I mean, we've been saying that on the podcast. I mean, I think every podcast we talked about the Sixers, it was about getting rid of Al Horford or how much Al Horford sucks, and we finally got rid of him. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud of Darren Moore for that. But also, Tyrese Maxey was potentially the steal of the draft. Um, he's a great shooter, a 3 and D guy. Um, yeah, and then I'm trying to remember there's other name. I think it was Isaiah Joe, who's like Landry Schmidt 2.0. Uh, another shooter. Yep. Then we got Paul Reed, a great two uh, two way player as well. So with the dra- with the combination of getting rid of the salaries like Al Horford, with the combination of getting a backup center like Dwight Howard, who I mean that's going to be the backup center. That's going to be the definite backup center. He's great on defense and a great scorer. Um, with Seth Curry, uh, because you know what the one thing I love about the Sixers and I, what I love about what Daryl Morey did this offseason last year what was the downfall of the Sixers of course spacing of course shooting but also 
Joel Embiid could not dominate in the paint because every single time he would get in the paint, he would just get doubled. And then that would lead to other issues like um, bad communication and um, lack of chemistry because you had all these issues on half-court offense and you couldn't really score, you couldn't really get into a rhythm uh, for the Sixers. And, and that's really why people thought that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid could not work together because they had no shooters around them. So it kind of made everything look worse, especially with Al Horford, all of that. But now the Seth Curry, now with Danny Green, there's no way that you're going to double Joel Embiid because if you double Joel Embiid, that's just a probably an automatic three-pointer. And also, Tobias Harris also had his best season under Doc Rivers. So, and then, of course, with, um, with the additions of Seth Curry and Danny Green, Tobias Harris doesn't have to be a three-point shooter anymore like he was last season because last season, I mean, he just took way too many three-pointers three uh, three because that's... That's what we. That's what he had to do because we had no other shooters. But now he could do what he actually is good at. He can be a mid-range scorer. He can get inside. Um, so it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things to be hopeful for. It's a lot of good things uh, to look forward to for the Sixers. Absolutely, and I. I think that if Tyrese Maxey and Isaiah Joe perform very, very, very well, this team becomes even more dangerous. I would say. I think that depending on how our rookies do, it can really elevate this team. And even if they don't, they don't need to be that savior of the franchise that LaMelo Ball has to be, for example, for the Hornets. They just have to be solid bench players that can complement Simmons and Embiid and provide scoring, I guess, in, that, in their case. Yeah, so let's, one real quick, let's talk about the Sixers' starting lineups. Like, let's predict their starting lineups because you also have Matisse Thibel. Um, who we didn't really even talk about, but we also I expect a big uh, leap from him this year. But and you also have we didn't even talk about Shake Milton either. So Shake Milton, who I think he's going to have a great year this year because I mean he shot forty percent from three last year, and I believe Shake Milton like when I watched him, I just thought that he was like a hidden gem because yes he was he was kind of a liability on defense, but on offense. He could shoot the heck out of the ball. He could also get inside um, and make uh, contested layups and such uh, like that. He could also do floaters. And, um, I mean, his offensive game is just uh, – Shigno's offensive game is just wide. Uh, it's really good. So, I expect a big leap from him and Matisse Thibault this season. We didn't even discuss him. And when we just look at the whole roster, I, be, I expect uh, just a great roster and a great starting lineup. So, in terms of starting lineup, I think Ben Simmons will be back to point guard. I believe uh, Seth Curry will be shooting guard. Uh, I believe, I, I would say for small forward, Matisse Thibault maybe. So I'll, I'll go with Matisse Thibault. So Ben Simmons uh, at the one, uh, Seth Curry at the two, Matisse Thibault at the three, uh, Tobias Harris at the four, and Joel Embiid at the five. So do you agree with that or do you have another starting lineup in mind? So I think that the starting lineup is going to be pure shooting. And then a hint of defense, I guess. So I think that it's going to be Simmons at the one, Curry at the two, Green at the three, Harris at the four, and Beat at the five. That would be deadly because you have Shake Milton off the bench, Matisse Thibault off the bench, Dwight Howard off the bench. That would be really deadly because the thing about the Sixers this year, their roster this year, is that you can have a lot of guys start at the at that three or two position. I mean – I wouldn't count out Shake Milton either getting playing time over Seth Curry or Danny Green at one point. Not because of not because of 
Seth Curry or Dan Green playing bad necessarily, but because of how good I expect Shea Milton to be. Because he's also a shooter. Um, he's obviously not as good on defense as Dan Green or Seth Curry is, but he's also a shooter. Um, and he's also a guy who I expect to get a lot of playing time as well. And also, um, I mean, just the bench. I mean, whatever starting lineup you do, because if you start Shea Milton at the two, then you have Seth Curry off the bench. Or if you don't start Danny Green, then you have Danny Green off the bench. Uh, so you just have shooting everywhere on this team. Absolutely. And so, Andre, what are your expectations for this Sixers team? So in terms of, like, the Eastern Conference, I expect – so you have the Nets. The Nets and the Bucks. I think they'll be the top two ahead of us. But I ex- actually expect the Sixers to be the three seed. I think the Nets will be one. The Bucks will be two. Sixers three, Celtics four, Heat five. Um, I think I'm missing another team, but those are my top five uh, Eastern teams. I think we would crack the top three after I think we were six last year. Uh, yes. Yeah, we were six last year. So I mean, and then we'll be facing a team like the Raptors, who or, or Raptors or the, I mean, who else? The Wizards probably. We will facing a team like them who we could easily beat in the first round. So I expect a lot of things now in terms of the playoffs. We know that we have not been able to get we have not been able to get past the second round for years, um, with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. But this year, I expect us to get past the um, second round because I think we'll be facing. I think that we be, we'll be facing the Bucks in the second round. I think we can beat them. So, I'm gonna go Nets and Sixers in the Eastern uh, Conference Finals. All right. Well. That's what that's what we have today from the AM show from Andre. I'm Miles. We'll see you next time.